1: Welcome to one more edition to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis. Folks, we have a gem for you today. Dr. Richard D. Wolf is professor of economics emeritus at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and a visiting professor in the graduate program in international affairs of the New School University, New York City. He is the founder of Democracy at Work and host of their nationally syndicated show Economic Update. His latest book is... The Sickness is the System When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics, or itself, and is available along with his other books, Understanding Socialism and Understanding Marxism at www.democracyatwork.info. For those of you who are not new to Politics Done Right, you know we've covered this book before, but he's released it as an ebook Now, welcome to Politics Done Right, Richard Wolf. How are you doing today?
2: Okay, Egbert. Glad to be here.
1: Absolutely. So now... um. First of all, uh, before we get into the pandemic, before we get into any of these other issues, have you heard about ERCOT in Texas and the blackouts in Texas? I, just off the wall, I wondered if you heard about it.
2: Yes, I have. I've heard all about it. I've been following it. And I, I've got to tell you, it, it for me, it really is connected uh, in a particular way to COVID-19 and to the Uh, economic disaster we are living through. And and here's the way. There really is no excuse for not being prepared. I mean, this, this has to be called out for what it is. Every four to seven years, the capitalist economic system crashes. Sometimes the crashes are deep and last a long time. Sometimes they're shallow and they don't. But every four to seven years, suddenly, people are thrown out of work, businesses cut back, uh, communities don't get the tax revenue they need. We know this. It's been true for hundreds of years. There's no excuse not to be prepared. Second example, we have had viruses from the beginning of the human race, if not long before. You know, we had a horrible one back in 1918 that killed uh, uh, 700,000 people in America. We've had SARS and MERS and Ebola. We know that the human community is at risk from viruses that can do terrible damage. You have to be prepared for that if you aren't crazy. That's what we have a government for. And here's the last one. The state of Texas has been subject to extremes of weather in the summer. Incredible heat, incredible heat waves, which, guess what? Use a lot of electricity. Okay, this time they have something a bit more unusual, the other end, cold. But since they use electricity, it must have dawned on somebody with a third grade education that you need to have standby capacity to handle unexpected demands, whether it's heat or it's cold or anything else. There is no excuse. I noticed Governor Abbott immediately did what I call the Trump dance. He discovered some obscure council in, in Texas and blamed them. It's like Trump blaming poor immigrants coming from Latin America, or the Chinese, or I mean, it is this unspeakable failure not to be prepared when there's no excuse, and then finding somebody to scapegoat for it. It really is a sign of a society that is in deep trouble and not getting better.
1: You know, Dr. Wolf, in, in you explaining that there are a lot of issues here in Texas with, um, with them not wanting regulations, and you talk about uh, c- capitalism. Uh, I, I covered this on our program, in fact, just before this show with you today, in that all the, all our endemics, all, all the things that we've had so far, uh, the system that says we want less regulations, we want less control, we want less taxes, they continue to cause us more Harm In Texas, as we had, the windmills froze because they didn't put the right windmills in. The (laughs) gas lines froze because they didn't put the right regulations to run the gas right now. We don't have a capacity issue in Texas. We have a regulation issue. We have a, what I call a capitalism issue. Now, let's get on to what your, uh, this book is because I, I, you know, the the table of content is self-explanatory. I mean, everybody needs to just see the table of contents and then they are going to want to go ahead and get the book right away. And it starts out with uh, one thing, capitalism crashes again and COVID-19 was not the trigger. I was so happy you stated that because before COVID-19, we covered on Politics Done Right why it was imminent that this economic system was going to have a crash pretty darn soon. Why don't you bring some meat to that theory?
2: Okay. I'd be glad to. Let me begin by surprising some people. Uh, Not only are you right in what you just said, but if you were reading the financial press, the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, um, Bloomberg News, any of them, you would have known that in the years 216 to 17 to 18 to 19, the financial press that loves capitalism, was all speculating, because they know that it crashes every four to seven years. They know that the last crash was in 2008. So do the math. If it's four to seven years and the last one was in 2008, as soon as you're in 2016, you're over the average. And so it's now becoming a betting game as to when the inevitable will come. Everybody was expecting it. And as each year went by, we reminded one another, those of us who work in this business, that there's a sad reality, which is if you have longer than average between your crisis, it usually means that the crisis when it hits will be worse than if it had hit more on schedule. You know, it's like not going to the doctor for your checkup And then going two years later and being told by the doctor, it would have been a lot better if I had seen you sooner. It's the same kind of thing. So for me, it's crystal clear. If it hadn't been COVID, it would have been something else. And, And the way to prove it is to remind people, this is the third crash of capitalism in the 21st century. The first one was in the spring of 2000 it got the name of the dot com crisis right all right in 2008 we had the second one it got the name subprime mortgage crisis and so this one gets the name covid-19 but you notice something three crises were 21 years into the century that works out to on average of every 7 years just like we know, there's no surprise. The COVID-19 is not the problem we have. It makes our problem worse, no question. I mean, you know, in the Great Depression, we had a terrible crash in the 1930s, but at least we didn't have a terrible public health disaster at the same time. This time, we are in really deep territory uncharted territory we've never done this before we have an economic crash and a big one and we have a once in a century public health catastrophe and they're happening at the same time each one makes the other one worse but you're not gonna fool anybody and you're certainly not gonna solve a problem if what you think is going on is a bad disease no 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 there is certainly a bad disease, but that's why I titled the book what it is. The real disease we have to worry about is the one that crashes every four to seven years.
1: And you know what else, Doctor? And and, and please put some meat on this for me. As as we first of all, after we got informed about this disease, it seemed like it was in the interest of some. That this disease further metastasized because it has become a wealth transfer engine and more than a wealth transfer engine, a method for taking the money of most, the incomes of most up to a select few. Amazon is now even bigger as mom and pops are gone. Uh, Walmart is even bigger as others that were in the market were told to close. There was no governmental support to really keep these things, uh, to keep a status quo until the pandemic was over. Why don't you tell me why it is that only with something other than capitalism that you can actually have a system that takes care of who we should be taking care of, humanity?
2: All right, let me start with the inequality. You are absolutely right. There are two kinds of inequality that are being heavily increased or worsened during this pandemic slash economic crash. The first one is the inequality between labor and capital, between people who live by working and people who are sitting at the top of the economic pyramid. I mean, and nothing nothing is easier than for me to give you a couple of examples.
0: Want to hear something amazing, oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network Grilling Essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part, I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select style. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27 through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohl's.com for details.
2: We currently have roughly 65, and this is a number people should think about, 65 million Americans have filed for unemployment compensation at one time or another since March of last year. Some of them have been unemployed the entire time. Others have only been unemployed a few weeks and everything in between. But here's something to remember. If you're unemployed, and if you have to wait a couple of weeks or more to get your unemployment compensation, and even if you do, you're going to be in trouble financially. You're going to have to take whatever savings you have and use them up. You're going to have to lean on your relatives, your friends, your neighbors to help you at a time when they're in financial squeeze time as well. So you have really whacked the working class. 65 million people unemployed. That's more, much more than a third of the labor force in this country. More than one out of three have been through that experience over the last 11 months. That is a staggering reality. At the same time, I'm gonna give you two examples. Uh, Jeffrey Bezos, I'll pick him out, the head of Amazon, saw his wealth go from roughly $125 billion, that's with a B, up to around $200 billion. Okay. This is more money than any. You'd have to go back to ancient Egypt and the pharaohs to to get this kind of. Look at what I just told you. 65 million people really giving up pretty much whatever safety cushion of money they might have had. Desperate in many cases. Not knowing how long this will last. How bad it'll be. Whether that job will even be there when it's over. I mean and then other people becoming wildly wealthy. Here's a second example. I took the 15 most successful hedge funds on Wall Street, and I asked the question, how did they do during the year 2020 because we now have the results? Okay. The, the, of the top 15, and there are many more, there's you know, a thousand of them, but the top 15, Number 15 earned $846 million. Number one earned $3 billion with a B. Wow. Now, to help people understand what it means, I know it's difficult. Here's what I did. I asked myself, if, if this gentleman got $3 billion, how much does that work out per week for a 52-week year. So here's your answer. Excess of $52 million a week. He doesn't buy lottery tickets and because he doesn't need to. He wins the lottery every day without buying a ticket because he's the other side of the coin of the millions of us who buy an occasional ticket, and never win anything or not enough to make a difference. So you're making inequality much, much worse between those at the top who own shares, you know, who are the people who, the tiny minority who sit at the top and the vast majority who don't. But there's a second example. Big business is destroying little business. The little businesses cannot survive This kind of situation, something like a third to a half of all the restaurants that have had to close have closed permanently. They're not coming back. They're not making it on taking out, taking food out or prepare none of that, that some of them are surviving on that, but they'll never get back to where they were. And the government help so far has been very, very inadequate. Again, a couple of examples. The government has postponed eviction. So if you're unable to pay your rent, or if you're unable to cover your mortgage, uh, here's what happens. You can't be thrown out of your home, and that's now been extended into most of the rest of this year. But here's something to remember. Number one, all of those rents you didn't pay you still owe them. Number two, the landlord is allowed to charge interest for not for you're not paying. So you owe the money on the rent plus the interest plus the landlord is legally allowed to penalize you for not paying. So people who couldn't pay the rent are going to owe the accumulated rent plus interest, plus penalty. This is ridiculous. They're going to arrive at some point down the road, two months, six months, nine months from now, and we're going to be right back where we are now, having used up their savings. I mean, this is impossible. Now, let me give you the last of it. Many, many small businesses have not been paying their rent Okay, that means the mall owner isn't getting his rental payments. And the, business, the building owner in which the store is located isn't getting their rental. Okay, they're not getting money. They're turning around to their banks, holding mortgages, and saying, I can't pay the monthly mortgage because I'm not getting the monthly rental from my tenants. You know, so the catastrophe of the mass of people fearing eviction is multiplied by the catastrophe of the small businesses and the catastrophe of the landlords and the catastrophe of the government. What you're building up to, I don't mean to scare folks, but if I didn't tell you this, honestly, what use would I be? You are accumulating too many problems. It would have been hard to solve any one of them, but you've got a dozen, the pandemic, all the damage done by the people who died and the people who got sick and the economic crash and now the accumulated non-rental payers and non-mortgage covers and landlords and small business—it is—it It is not only unbearable, these are the vast majority and they're going to be looking at the shrinking number of people doing really well, you know, the Amazons, the Apples, Uh, you know, all of that. And the gap between the experience of the two is going to be visible in a way that is going to drive people crazy. I would even argue, not that it's the most important thing, but part of the upset driving those uh, crazy people on the 6th of January at the Capitol, part of it is their having a sense rightly that the economic system they thought they were living in isn't there and it isn't about to be brought back and that they're looking at an abyss into the future and they want to do something. And yeah, they, they start thinking crazy stuff and QAnon and all the rest of that. But don't forget at the base are human beings that are suffering, even if the way they handle it only makes it worse.
1: You know, uh, there's a part of your book, uh, capitalism and pandemic, social illnesses that affect us all, and in there you include all the isms that that that's used, and in fact, some of those people who attack the capital instead of looking at the, at the reasons for their demise they they have taught they've been taught otherwise but before before I go to the other question because this is something that gets to me all of the time because you you brought it up when you talk about Jeff Bezos when you talk about Jeff Bezos going from 120 billion dollars to 200 billion dollars americans were indoctrinated into believing That somehow, because somebody started something, I am an engineer, I created a product that all the wherewithal from that product belongs to me, not taking into account that I was educated, uh, Dr. Wolf, with the tax dollars that you paid, that all these things that made me, gave me the ability to create something came from us all. So somehow now I am supposed to be worth all the billions that's generated from others Who worked my product? Why don't you explain a little bit where we have to change our frame of minds into not believing that our invention, our immediate success belong to us all, and all profits made from that belongs to that one individual, as opposed to the collective that's really where a society where all of this was created.
2: I'd be glad to. Let's start with the the reality that whatever you think of Mr. Bezos, we'll stay with him, Jeff Bezos, he's as good an example as any of the others, Uh, whatever you think his contribution was, there were millions of people for thousands of years who have developed over time the understanding of electricity, the understanding of mathematics, the understanding of what it means to organize a supply chain. Uh, to do all the work that goes into an Amazon delivery of a package. None of them are making money out of what they did. You know, Mr. Bezos had a mother and a father, and Mr. Bezos had a school teacher, and Mr. Bezos had a dozen people that were important in his life getting him to where he is. But we live in a system that doesn't have them share in the reward. Along the way, Amazon got all kinds of subsidies from governmental agencies to help them build a building, uh, a road made to one of their distribution centers so the trucks could get in and out. Those are contributions to the success over time that he had. There's absolutely no reason to exclude all of the people who made contributions along the way. The other companies, the government agencies, the people who worked hard, the teachers, the, they get nothing out of all of this because of our peculiar system that gives it to one.
0: Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller. I'll
2: take two
1: tomatoes and a cucumber.
0: Poodle Pamperer, Piano Tuner, or Plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.
2: Person, there's no need for that. If you want to recognize that he came up with, let's be, let's be very generous. He came up with a clever way to speed up package delivery. I mean, that's what he is. He delivers packages. He organized that. Good. Give him a reward. Give him a Nobel Prize. You know what the Nobel Prize is for a breakthrough in science? It's under $1 million. Give him that. Nobody would object. A good recognition of the fact that he was creative in a particular way. Give it to everybody who comes up with a really useful idea. There is no need and no justification to take away money from millions of people to give him not 1 million, but a 200 billion dollars. And the only way you can do that is if there are people working day in and day out, producing more value than is paid to them in their wages, with the difference between what they add by their work versus what they get for working, that goes to Mr. Bezos. So he can collect a vast amount of money. It really is disgusting. And and I mean that word because it's also now possible. And and I wanna drive it home again around Mr. Bezos, although we could use others. We have millions of people really suffering now. We have a catastrophe. Mr. Bezos didn't create the pandemic, but he is making a bundle. He didn't do anything to deserve the extra bundle. He's just sitting there with the right business purely by chance, whereas some other person working his or her tail off running a small restaurant is wiped out. It's not the fault of the people who got wiped out that there's a pandemic, and it's not the fault of Mr. Bezos, but one of them ends up with billions and the other one is ruined for life. A decent society wouldn't let that happen. You know, even Donald Trump referred to the struggle against pandemic by saying, it's like a war. It's like we're fighting a war. Well, let me remind Americans of something. The last time we fought a major war, World War II, we did not allow some people to earn billions. We had something called an excess profits tax. You got more than a certain amount, the government went and said, this is a national crisis, we're fighting against the fascists in Germany and in Italy and in Japan, and we're not gonna allow some people to become billionaires and other people give their lives to fight in the war that's an inequality we will not tolerate so we also had a rationing system we gave people tickets and let me mention that we gave people ration tickets you couldn't go get a quart of milk or a pound of coffee or a gallon of gas for your car and simply give money and the reason we did that was Because those things are scarce in wartime, if we did that, the only people who could afford it would be the people who are rich, and that would destroy the solidarity of our country fighting a war. So here's what we're going to do. You want to buy a gallon of gas or a pound of coffee or a, a quarter pound of meat? You need a ration card printed by the government. And here comes the best part. You know how it was distributed, the ration card? According to people's needs. If you had a lot of kids in your family, you got more ration cards for milk. That way, rich people couldn't buy the milk for their pet rather than have human beings unable to give milk for growing children. We know what to do to handle a national crisis in a way that's fair. We've done that. This time, we have a government, Republicans and Democrats, so totally controlled by corporations and the rich that they don't even discuss doing that, even though it's part of our history. For me, the the scars from this inequality between big and small business, between workers and capitalists, those are going to run very deep and last very long, and they will shape our history long after COVID is a bad memory.
1: That is such a good point. Now it's interesting because we have a young the, 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 there's, we have a young woman, twenty nine years old, that runs the Harris County, Texas, the second largest county in the in the country. And what she has instituted for COVID nineteen is that. Uh, she's not going to force folks to just go ahead and type and refresh, refresh to to get a vaccine. She made it equitable by saying everybody put in when they can and it'll be a real lottery as far as who gets a vaccine first. Now, I call what you've just described, Dr. Um, Wolf, antiseptic slavery because it's a form of slavery that, that just a bit more palatable to people. And until we explain it that way to many, they don't get it. Now, how do we get around the indoctrination that we get into people into believing that your worth is something that you purported to create. We have to change the mindset of people into realizing what you've just stated. That is, it's a collective that have created a besos. It's a collective that have created every capitalist that think they did it on their own.
2: Right. That's always been true. I, I think the best way to understand it is to appeal to something I think is in most Americans, despite so many years of indoctrination somehow they know and they admire what it means to play teamwork sure you admire this athlete and you admire the other one but you know most americans understand that a winning team takes team work that yeah some players are better than others But the crucial thing that will make you win is not having one of the superstars, but having a relationship among the team players that they all work together, that they have a collective idea, a collective feeling, that they support one another. And I think you destroy that if you give one of them wild amounts of money and don't give the others that amount of money, that breeds inequality, that breeds bitterness, envy, and that destroys communities. I think that's what it's doing in this country right now. Yeah, in the short run, the rich get richer. But you know something? In the irony of history, in the end, this kind of inequality, like it would on any sports team, destroys the team spirit, destroys the helping one another mentality that makes you win in the end. And so what you end up having is two or three stars and another bunch of people that are bitter about how they're not recognized. And then the whole thing falls apart.
1: Dr. Wolf, last question. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't ask you uh, to, to make this even better?
2: The only thing would have been, and you did ask me, so this is more my fault than yours, what, what, what can we do? And let me end with this. We don't need to run our enterprises the way we do. That's the root of our problem, in my judgment. We allow a tiny group of people, the owner of the company, the person who started it, if it's a corporation, the board of directors, usually a group of 15, 20 people, th- they are a tiny minority. But they sit at the top of the factory, of the office, of the store. And they make all the decisions and they have all the power. The rest of us are employees. They are the employer. That's not democratic. We don't vote for them. We have no power over them. If they don't like us, they fire us. Not only do we lose our job, we lose our income. We put our families in danger. This is a fundamentally unfair, unjust system. Here's the irony. If Americans were half as committed to democracy as they say they are, they would institute democracy in the workplace. One person, one vote, we all decide what happens in this factory, in this office, and this store. And guess what? We would never democratically decide to give one person $200 billion, while the rest of us cannot pay for our kids to go to college.
1: Professor Dr. Richard D. Wolf, author of The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so kindly for being on Politics Done Right. You have a wonderful rest of your day.
2: You too, and thank you for your program, which is an important part of the national
1: conversation. With our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join. I'm Robert Conte, Chief of the Metropolitan Police Department. I have an urgent message. Unfortunately, traffic fatalities have increased in D.C., and I need your help to reverse this troubling trend. Did you know that using a seatbelt can drastically reduce the risk of death or serious injury to you or a loved one? Seatbelts save lives, and together we can accomplish a safer community. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in DC. Always wear your seatbelt. Click it or tick it.
0: So, let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie Keen created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.